late 1776, the Continental Army was at a low after a number of defeats. They were being chased by the British. Uh, General George Washington had retreated across New Jersey and into Pennsylvania. His force was basically had dwindled down. They had just a few thousand um, enlisted troops left, and their enlistments were due to expire in January. And so by late December, um, General Washington knew that this, it's either now or never. And so late Christmas night in 1776, 11 p.m., as this picture here on the screen depicts, under frigid temperatures and a treacherous storm, uh, Washington implemented this audacious plan. They crossed the Delaware with their, their cannons, their guns, their horses, everything they could. They got across the, the Delaware River and uh, over to the other side, and then they marched for 10 miles to Trenton, New Jersey, where they surprised a garrison of about 1,500 Hessian troops. And uh, thank God the Americans dominated that morning on the 26th of December, and they prevailed. And then later they prevailed in Princeton, and the 10 days around those two events have been called the 10 days that changed America forever. If you've ever visited there along the Delaware, on both sides, on the Pennsylvania side and on the New Jersey side, there are historical markers. In fact, from what I hear, there are nine different historical markers um, that have been erected commemorating those events. Why? Because those events were very important in the history of our nation. Why are national monuments like these erected? Well, I think oftentimes it's to show honor, right? It's to show honor to those who fought these battles, those who led these battles. But I guess really the reason these national monuments are erected is so that we'll never forget. So that from generation to generation, we will remember. So memorials are a perpetual reminder. That's what they, that's what they do for us. Here's a couple more. Oh, in fact, if you go to the next slide, sorry. Um, there's, there's some of the, the different monuments that you'll find uh, there um, along the river, the Delaware, um, about that particular event. Here's a couple more. If you go to the next slide, John. Of course, uh, the Lincoln Memorial. How many of you have ever been to the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C.? <clears throat> it's been a while, but I've been there a couple times. Um, why is there a memorial to President Lincoln? Well, it actually says it right over his head, and it's too small in the slide for you to see it. But President Lincoln has been accredited with saving our nation, right, uh, in those days of the Civil War. Uh, the 9-11 Memorial, anybody been there? You visited the 9-11 Memorial? Okay, Dave, Kathy, Sandra, um, in, in New York City. Um, in fact, every 9-11, we'll see stuff come across social media, and what does it always say? Never Forget. And then right here in Phoenix, do you recognize the Pat Tillman um, statue down near the stadium? How many of you have seen that down near uh, Cardinal Stadium? <clears throat> all of these have been constructed. You look at them, they're all constructed out of stone so that they'll last a long time. And I think the reason they construct these things out of stone is because as time goes on, if the memorial doesn't survive, our memories certainly aren't going to survive of these things. So they're made in stone so that they'll last a long time. Would you agree that some things are worth forgetting? Your anniversary, guys, is not one of them, right? But there are some things worth forgetting. Uh, there are some things, you know, that, that along the way, if you're married, you know, I hope Ladies, that, that there are some things that you're dumb things your husband's done. And I'm just speaking from experience here because I've done, I've done my share of kind of dumb things as a husband. You know, and I'm really thankful when my wife forgets those things. Some things are worth forgetting, right? Do you ever do something dumb and it costs you, like it costs you really bad? Maybe it costs you some money. You know, maybe it costs you a big dent in a fender or something. Those are the things you want to forget. I think there are some things that we should work at forgetting. 
We, should, we have to work at them. Maybe someone has wronged us, offended us. Has anybody in here ever been offended? Okay, good. Well, just a couple of you. All right. Just a few of us. But um, yeah, there are some things we have to work at forgetting. I love what Mrs. Uh, Billy Graham, Ruth Graham said one time. She had been wronged and she had forgiven the person who wronged her. And someone asked her one time, hey, Ruth, do you remember what so-and-so did to you? And she said, I remember forgiving that right? She chose to forget the deed and she, she chose to remember her forgiveness. It seems like oftentimes the things we remember are the things we ought to forget, but there are some things we should never forget. And those usually are the things that we have to be intentional about remembering. Uh, did you know that when we observe communion, it is a memorial? It's a memorial. Jesus said on the night when he instituted it, he said, this do in remembrance of me. It's memorial. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians. He said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So communion is a perpetual reminder of Christ's sacrifice. Why? Because we need reminding. Isn't that something? If we need reminding about the sacrifice of Jesus that he made for us, wow, how easily we must forget things that are so necessary for us to remember. So what we're not intentional to remember, we are often inclined to forget. Well, that brings us to Joshua chapter 4. Because as they are crossing the Jordan, as we we saw last week in chapter 3, did you know there's two chapters in Joshua that record the crossing of the Jordan too? Seems to me like God wants us to remember this event. And in chapter 3, it it details that that crossing. In chapter 4, it gives us some more details, particularly about this need for memorial. What was the plan to get across the river? Do you remember? It didn't include boats. It didn't include bridges. God said that he would stop the river, right? He was going to stop the river from flowing. It was going to rise up in a heap and downstream. It was just going to continue to flow. And by the time a couple million uh, children of Israel got across, it said that it had flowed all the way down. I'm Uh, scholars estimate about 20 miles it had gone downstream. That's a pretty wide swath that the children of Israel were able to get across. And I can understand what's going on in verse number 10. If you look at chapter four and verse number 10, I get it because it says here that, that the people hurried across. (laughs) Can you picture that? Why do you think, in fact, in the Hebrew I'm kidding, but in the Hebrew, what that means is they ran like scared little dogs. That's what it means, right? Why do you suppose that they ran like scared little dogs across the flooded Jordan River? That's what we would do, right? That's what, that's what we would do. If you see a, a heap of water, right, rising up, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 feet, however high it got, man, you'd run across too, And it says there in verse number 10, man, that they ran, they hurried across. But in all of the hurry, in all of the flurry, the priests stood still with the Ark of the Covenant. They stood there in the riverbed. And as long as they stood there, the water stayed at bay. It all looked like panic, I'm sure. If we could only get a glimpse of this was not an orderly single file line, okay? This was, this was a, a mad dash to the other side. If we could just get a picture of what this thing looks like and the priests holding the Ark of the Covenant there in the river and people running across the riverbed, it had to look like chaos and confusion. But God was right there leading his people. God was right there accomplishing his will and he was poised in the midst of all the panic. Isn't it good to know that's the way God has always been and always will be? In all the chaos of our lives and all the confusion that we face in our lives, God is always poised. 
He's always in a state of poise. He's always standing firm in our life as a rock. Well, God wanted them to never forget the events of that day. And so Joshua, it tells us here in Joshua chapter 4, God tells Joshua to erect a memorial. Look at chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I don't have the scriptures there on the slides. I'm going to read them, and if you have your Bible open or your phone, follow along here. Joshua chapter 4, down in verse 1, it says, The Lord spake to Joshua, verse 2, Choose twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them, Take twelve stones from this place in the middle of the Jordan, where the priests are standing, carry them with you, and set them down at the place where you spend the night. And that's what they did. That's exactly what they did. In fact, we find as you read chapter 4, we're not going to read all of chapter 4 tonight, but when you read chapter 4, you find that they actually constructed two monuments, one in the river and one on the bank of the river. Chap, uh, chapter 4, verse 9 is, talks about the one that they built in the river, and chapter 4 and verse number 20 talks about the one that they, they, they erected on the bank of the river. Well, Joshua chapter 4 gives us four reasons why. Why the stones? Why did they erect these monuments? So let me give them to you tonight with some some thoughts about that. Number one, God gave them, he told them to erect these monuments, first of all, to shake up their memory. Here's the principle here. Never forget what God has done for you. Joshua says in verse number seven, if you want to look at your Bible, these stones will always be a memorial for the Israelites. Those 12 stones were set as a perpetual memorial to say this, remember what God has done for you. This is the message that Moses gave to the the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2 when he said, remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness. Remember, he says. The psalmist preached this to himself in, a, in Psalm 103 when he says, My soul, bless the Lord, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. My soul, bless the Lord, and do not forget all of his benefits. Do not forget all of his ben- benefits. You see, we have short memories, don't we? Don't we? We have short memories. We are prone to forget. We forget the blessings of God. We forget oftentimes the victories that God has given us. We forget the deliverance by which God has saved us. We forget the miracles that God has performed in our lives and in in the lives of our loved ones and in, in the lives of those within our church. We have a tendency to forget God, especially in times of discouragement, especially in times of crisis. Well, listen, God does not want us to forget what he has done and what he is doing for us. And so these memories, uh, these memorials would shake up their memory to remember what? A couple things. First of all, to remember their fulfilled promises. In chapter 3 and verse 13, if you want to go back there, God says, I'm going to stop the river. In chapter 3 and verse 16, that's what God did. He did exactly what he said he would do right? God delivered his people just like he said he would do. All the promises of God, as they always do, were fulfilled. They came true just as God said they would, and these memorials were to raise awareness of it. If you want to notice an interesting thing that I came across this week, if you look at verse number 19 of chapter 4, it tells us that the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. The 10th day of the first month. If you trace that back to the Exodus, here's what you'll find. The 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 10th day of the first month was the day that at the first Passover, the children of Israel were supposed to choose a lamb for sacrifice. This was just prior to the Exodus. 40 years to the day. And here they are 40 years later, 
God has fulfilled his promises. God has kept his word. 40 years later, as they have chosen that sacrifice, that Passover, as they have observed this in the wilderness, now they are entering in to the promised land. Through all those years, even when times were tough, God was with them. God kept his promises. And all the way through, as you go from here and you just keep reading through the Old Testament, you know what you find? You find that all through the Old Testament, God would send his prophets to to remind the people of God's goodness, to remind the people that God had been faithful to them, that God had kept his promises. David does this in Psalm 105. David says, remember the wondrous works he has done, his wonders and the judgments he has pronounced. You offspring of Abraham, his servant, Jacob's descendants, his chosen ones. He is the Lord, our God. His judgments govern the whole earth. In verse 8, he remembers his covenant forever. The promise he ordained for a thousand generations. Isn't that awesome? God doesn't forget his word. God doesn't forget his promises. We shouldn't forget the times when we have seen him keep his promises. Isaiah said this to the children of Israel. Isaiah 46, 9 through 11. Remember what happened long ago. For I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and no one is like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done, saying, My plan will take place, and I will do all my will. I call a bird of prey from the east, a man for my purpose from a far country. Yes, I have spoken, so I will bring it about. Look what he says. I have planned it. I will also do it. Church, we can take the promises of God to the bank. Never forget, God is faithful. He keeps his promises. Not only was this to stir up their remembrance of God's, provi- God's promises, but also his abundant provision, right? This was a turning point. Here they are. They're going into the land. For the past 40 years, they have been wandering around, around a desert, around a wilderness. There's no Walmart. How did they make it? There's no mall. There's no Target. There's no Taco Bell, you know? Yet God fed them. Faithfully, he fed them. God provided for every one of their needs. He abundantly provided for them. And now they are leaving all of that behind them and they are going into the land of milk and honey, right? God had provided and God would continue to provide. And these stones were meant to remind them of what had happened in the past and what God would do in the future. Also, I think these stones were to remind them of God's incredible power. If you look at verse number 23, chapter 4, Verse 23, for the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you until you crossed over, just as he had done to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. You see it? What did God want them to remember? He dried up the Jordan River. What kind of power does it take to stop a flooded, rushing river? Only the kind of power that God has. I understand you can, we have ways to dam up rivers and stop water. I I get it. But this was a supernatural act of God. No human intervention. This was all God. And Israel's hero was always, as you read, as we go through the book of Joshua, Israel's hero is always God. It's always him. And so think about this, church, in our lives, in our lives, isn't it only by his grace and by his strength that we've come this far? I mean, how have you got to this day? Like, I get it. God's given us a, a brain. He's given us a body, right? He's, he's given us some, some, some bucks to, to, to use to, to buy what we need. He takes care of us and he's provided for us, right? But, but when we think about all these things, We could either take credit for it, my body, my bucks, my brains, or we could recognize that without God, what good is any of that? 
It's all by God's grace. It's all by God's strength that we have made it to this day. And so don't you think that it would be good for us? Don't you think that it would be just as good and healthy of a spiritual practice for us to intentionally remember the times that God has kept his promises, that God has provided for us in our own lives? Have you seen God keep his promises? You don't have to raise your hand. I just, I don't even want you to shake your head. Yes, I want you to think of a time. When have you seen God keep his promise? Have you seen God keep his promise to you? Have you seen God provide for you? I know he provides day in and day out. Our cupboards are full. We have food. But have you ever seen God provide when there was, you you couldn't do anything but chalk it up to God provided this? I I was thinking this week as I was preparing the sermon of different times, and I have a lot of different memories of of how God has kept his promises and provision, but one that particular one that that I thought I'd share with you, one night we, we had this car that, that uh, I bought for my daughter. It was a little BMW, 325i. Nice little car. I don't know, we paid a couple thousand dollars for it from an insurance agent over here. And uh, like your bike there, Jerry, um, man, BMWs are fun until you have to fix them. After we owned that thing for a little while, I was like, I am never owning another one of these things the rest of my life. If you drive a BMW, take me for a ride. I love riding them, but... But I'll never own another one. Well, this car, man, it needed work. And, and we, it, it was a great car for a while. But man, when it started needing work, I was like, I don't know. I can remember one particular night going to bed. And before I went to bed, I'm like, Lord, I don't know what to do about this car. I, don't, I, I had an estimate, like $2,000 in cost to fix this car. I, I don't want to spend $2,000 on this car, Lord. Can you, what should we do? What you're about to hear is a true story. In the middle of the night, I have this banging on my door. Like, what in the world is going on? It's, I don't know, 12, 2, 2 o'clock in the morning, whatever it was. And it's my daughters, and they're like, Dad, Dad, you got to come. You got to come. Somebody just hit my car. You know? And lo and behold, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get myself together and, and go outside, and they start telling me the story that in the middle of the night, someone ran into that said car, the BMW, parked in the road. They saw it all happen. They heard the bang. They saw the kid get out, look at it. They saw him get back in his car and drive down, back down our street. It's a dead end. It's a, it's a roundabout down there, you know, so there's nowhere, it's cul-de-sac, so there's nowhere for him to go, right? So, so I get dressed. I go out there, and there's a cop sitting, there's a cruiser sitting across the street, at the house across the street. I'm like, how did they get here so fast? Who called? I mean, how did this happen so quick? So I walk over there and, and this cop comes out of the house and, and, and I'm like, hey man, did, and it's a Buckeye cop. I'm thinking something is, it's the middle of the night. I'm trying to process all of this. Well, come to find out the guy, the guy had just bought the house. He's my neighbor now, Dave. Um, but but he had just bought the house. He was on shift. He decided to come by the house. They had just gotten the keys. He wanted to look around the place a little bit. He just happened to be there. Well, he gets in his cruiser. He goes down there, finds this kid. Long story short, the car got fixed. I mean, the money that was, it, it, it was everything. Was, the car got fixed. I didn't have to spend a penny on it. Like God paid the bill. Like, I can tell you so many different stories like that. Listen, God, have you seen God provide? When I think about our church, I mean, just our little church and how God has provided for us to, to be able to build a campus on Happy Valley. It just, when I stop and think, it's just like, like I, how? How did this, how, God, how have you done it? But God has done this. Our God is able to, to provide. None of God's children are ever overlooked. Listen, I'm so convinced that if we would pray, if we wouldn't get in a hurry, and if you were just sharing with me about that, weren't you? Weren't you? 
Yeah, just the other about your car work that you're and you were praying about it, and God, God worked it out. If we would take the time to pray through things and not just jump to, to fixing this, but if we would take the time to pray about it and seek God about it and just give God some time to work, man, God, God is able to provide. And so, what should we do? We have these. We have the, we've had these experiences. You've seen this in your own life, right? I believe that we need to intentionally build memorials about these things. We need to intentionally remember what God has done. We must never forget. Maybe what that means is having a little spiritual journal that you write these things down. Make a little note on your phone. Start a little journal if you, if you need to. One of the things that I started doing years ago is I just started like underlining a promise. And when I saw God meet that answer a prayer, just write the date out there next to it. And there are times I'll just flip through my Bible and look at dates and I'm reminded, oh yeah, yeah, God. And whenever I need that promise again, I go back to, I'm like, well, I know that God's done this before. God's you know, we're not going to put God in a box, but God will always be boxed in by his word. He will always keep his word. We can't reduce him to a formula, but we can certainly count on what he has said. We need to remember this. Have a way to remember these things. Uh, Dave Wedge talking to him before the service, and, and as, as he was preparing to come up to do the, the call of worship, I was telling him just basically where we were going in the message tonight so that he had that in his understanding for the call to worship. And, and he said, you know, I, I've been saying to, to, to some of the folks in our life group, yeah, we need to like, when you get that good report from the doctor, like save that thing, save that thing. And, and that can be a, a reminder to you of what God has done. Find a way, build memorials in your life that remind you we need memorials. We need memories that remind us of God's greatness. David built memorials in his heart and his mind. He said this, this is Psalm 143. In verse number five, he says, I remember the days of old. I remember the days of old. I will meditate on all you have done. I reflect on the work of your hands. Church, can I encourage you to do that? Reflect, remember, build memory monuments, the day you were saved, the times that God answered your prayers. You saw him bring you through a crisis, through a trial, a very difficult valley. When you saw God's miraculous provision, build mental memorials. Build them in your heart. You know, one of the memorials that Joshua built was in the river. You couldn't see it. Not, not with your physical eyes. But the people knew it was there. It was as if they, they could see it by faith. And it was as if it was in their memory. And they could see it in their mind's eye. And I think what this relates to is, this is how we will do this mostly today. We build memorials. We take the stones of God answering prayer and providing and keeping his promises. And we, we put those stones together, those memories together, to form memories and memorials in our heart that we can go back to and reflect on, yes, that reminds reminds us that yes, God is faithful. And when we go through times of crisis and hardship, that we can go back and look at those memorials, those monuments of his faithfulness and of our faith again, and know that he worked before and that we can trust him to work again. When we remember what God has done for us, we can draw strength for today from yesterday. And so those stones were meant to shake up their memory. Number two, I think that those stones were meant also, as it says here in the screen, to share their faith, to share their faith. Look at verse number, verse number six. It says, so this will be a sign among you in the future when your children ask, what do these stones mean? So these stones were meant to share their faith. And here's the principle here. And that is to pass on our God memorials to others, to pass them on. 
Two things, a testimony to their kids and a testimony to the entire world. It says it there later in the chapter in verse number 24. This is so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord's hand is mighty. So these memorials were meant, first of all, to be a testimony to their kids. These rocks were supposed to help their kids learn something. And if there's one thing that kids do well, it's ask questions, right? Your kids ever ask you some funny questions? The same child that I bought that BMW for, it, I just put two and two together, just right here, right now. Same child, she's three years old at the time. We're at the park and she wants to take off her shoes. This is back in Connecticut. She wants to take off her shoes. And I'm like, no, I don't want you taking your shoes off. It's, there's poop and everything else around. Just keep your shoes on. And no light. She looks at my wife, and she was the tiniest little thing you've ever seen. And she looks right at my wife. She, say, she said, why you marry him? <laughs> See that? That's what you get. You buy her a car, and that's what, this is what happens. Why you marry him? Why you marry him? Man, kids, they, they love to ask questions, and there are a lot of why questions, and that's exactly what we find in our text. God knows kids are going to ask questions about these rocks. The rocks are there so that the kids in the future generations will know what? So they'll know what God had done. So they'll know who God is, so that they'll know that they can put their hope and their trust in God. This is what the scripture implores us to do in Deuteronomy chapter 6. God tells the people, here's the words, they're up on the screen. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. What's he saying? Build a memorial there. Don't forget you're to love me with all your heart, all your strength, all of your soul. And then what does it say? Repeat them to your kids. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. God wants his word to be in our heart and he wants us to talk about it with our kids. And that's what those rocks were meant to do. Those rocks were meant to just be something that they could refer back to and say, let me tell you about the day when our God split that Jordan River. You know, there are a lot of memorials around us that we can talk to our kids about and our grandkids and reflect on God about, right? Take them for a walk some night when it's dark out, right? Look up at the stars. Talk about that moon up there. Talk about the God who created that moon, who hung it out there and who he is. And, and you can use just the memorials that are all around us, that remind us everywhere in creation, that remind us of the invisible. Romans chapter 1 tells us that by, from the creation of the world, the invisible things of, of God are clearly seen. And because of those things, none of us will have an excuse. Our kids are not going to have an excuse, especially if they grow up in a Christian home. They don't have an excuse. They should, they should know God. It doesn't mean that they're all going to accept Christ. We can't make our kids be saved. I'm not suggesting that we do or that we, we try to force our faith on them. I will tell you this. My mom made me brush my teeth. I know you wouldn't know it by looking at my teeth, but I, I still do brush them. But, but she made me do that. How many of your parents made you eat vegetables? Can you believe what audacity of, of parents back in the 70s? I mean, they made me, made me make my bed. Who made... Your parents made you make the bed, a couple of you, all right, yep, had to make the bed. I had to get up early every Saturday and have chores. My mom would come in our room. My mom's going to be here in a couple of weeks, so, so you'll be able to relate to these stories to her, but she'd throw up in the blinds and rise and shine. It's time to get up, you know, and, you know, but I'll, I'm thankful that my parents, my parents didn't force their faith on us, but they did lead and live a godly life in front of us. Yeah, they took us to church. They did that. They encouraged us to love the Lord and to know the Lord, and they talked about the Lord. But my dad was a preacher, but he never got preachy at home. He just preached with his life. He still does. 
He still preaches the loudest sermons I, I ever hear just by his life, by, the, by their lives of loving the Lord and living for the Lord. But listen, God wants our kids and our grandkids to know him. In the New Testament, Paul wrote this, fathers, don't stir up your children in anger, but bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. See, God wants our kids to know him and to know what he's done. Why? Well, I can quickly think of two reasons. Two reasons. First one, so that they can know and trust and obey God themselves. This is Psalm 78. Do I have the words on here? Scripture, I don't. Psalm 78, verses 3 through 7. Things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have passed down to us will not hide them from their children, but will tell a future generation the praise were the acts of the Lord, his might, and the wondrous works he has performed so that a, gen- a future generation, children who are yet to be born, might know they were to rise and tell their children so that they might put their confidence in God and not forget God's works, but keep his commandments. You hear it? So they don't forget God's works, but keep his commandments. Parents and grandparents, our kids need to hear from us what God has done in our lives. They need to hear it from us. We have to open our mouth and tell them, how have you seen God answer prayer? One one of the guys that that I enjoy reading, his name is Brant Hansen. He wrote a great book. I think every man should read. It's called The Men We Need. Some of us guys are reading it together. The Men We Need. And Brant has a little podcast. And, uh, and so I, I like to li- he's, he's got a He's got a great sense of humor. So I enjoy listening to this guy. And, and he was talk, talking about one day he's out on a, on a, on a run. And they were, he's a radio guy. And they, they only had one car. And he's out for a run. And one day he's like, Lord, give me a car. He saw a Jeep drive by. He's like, Lord, give me a car. He's like, we have one car. We're trying to... Work schedules out, Lord, please give me a car. And, and he sees this Jeep. He's like, and while you're at it, give me a convertible. He said he was, he was more or less kidding, but he was praying. <laughs> well, he says later that day, he's at Life Group. And one of the guys in the Life Group comes up to him and says, Hey, would it offend you if I give you my car? He's like, no, no, I actually was just praying for one today. He's like, well... Is it okay? I mean, it's a convertible. <laughs> he said when he went, that night, he went over to the guy's house. He got the title. He drove it home. He said he went, ran up to the kids' rooms and he woke them up out of bed. He said, kids, kids, get up, get up, get up. Come downstairs, <laughs> come downstairs. And he gets them in the car and he's like, listen, I got to tell you what happened today. Daddy prayed for a car and I prayed for a convertible. And he said for like an hour, we drove around with the top down you know, late on a Florida Friday night or whatever it was, just praising God. And he's like, my kids are never going to forget that day. Listen, what has God done for you? I was like, man, I wish I had that story. That's a cool story, right? But what has God done for you? What has he done for you? Tell your children about it. And, And maybe what it ought to do is encourage us to start praying some bold prayers. Start, start talking to God about his promises and, and his provision. Do you need wisdom to make a decision? Pray for it and then tell your kids, hey, I prayed for wisdom and look what God has done. This is what he did. Why? So that they don't forget God's works and that they learn to keep his commandments. I think another reason we ought to tell our kids is to help them prepare for hard things. This is Psalm 44, 1 through 8. 500 years later, the psalmist testifies this. God, we have heard with our ears, our ancestors have told us. 500 years after Joshua 4, the memorials and all that, the psalmist says, our ancestors, they told us. What did they tell us? The work you accomplished in their days 
in days long ago. In order to plant them, you displaced the nations by your hand. In order to settle them, you brought disaster out. What are they talking about? They're talking about everything we're reading in Joshua. They told their kids and they told their kids and for generations, they just kept telling their kids. And then as you read Psalm 44, it moves from the third person into the first person. And the psalmist says, you are my king, my God who ordains victories for Jacob. Through you, we drive back our foes. Through your name, we trample our enemies. For I do not trust in my bow and my sword does not bring me victory. But you give us victory over our foes. We We boast in you all day long. You you get this? You tell your kids and your grandkids so that they trust God, so that they know that there's a God in heaven who hears prayer and answers prayer. Jonathan sitting back there when he was just a kid, went to the dentist and he had this thing. So, okay, John, I can can tell it because it was only like six months ago, but he would put his hand in his mouth like that. And he suck on it, and his teeth below were like pushed down or whatever. And the dentist said, we're talking to the dentist, and the dentist is like, John, you got to stop this. You, you got to stop. So I said, John, why don't you pray? Ask God to help you to stop. So right there, he prayed, Lord, please help me to stop this. That was the last time the kid ever put his hand in his mouth. And I've reminded him of that from time to time. Like, God answered your prayer. God hears. God can answer prayer. You see, this is what we got to do with our kids. And, and our grand, I got a grandkid now. With our grandkids. Let's tell them so that why? So that they know that our God is a God who is awesome. Our God is a God who's powerful. Our God is a God who hears prayer that we can pray to. And he hears us and he loves us and he responds. They need to know our God. Christianity, someone has said, is just one generation away from extinction. I want Life Path Church to be a church where kids come into this place and they, they learn to love God and know God. They're, they're met by, by people who work with them, who generally love them and care for them. That doesn't happen out there. I want our kids, I want to be a place where kids grow up and know God. Like, not just fun time, but they learn about God and they learn to put their trust, their own trust in God. That's what a church ought to be as far as I'm concerned. Otherwise, Christianity is just one generation away from extinction. I think we're kind of on that road as kids just walk away. And we can have kids from our own church who walk away. I can have kids in my own family. My, my family's large. Uh, I think there's 59 of our, in our family now from underneath my parents and like 24 grandkids. And they're not all, they're not all living for the Lord, unfortunately. Some of them are, have really wandered away and they come from good families who love the Lord. Listen, we can't make it happen, but we can do everything we can to point them to Jesus. Number three, why these stones is to shape their worship. Here's the truth. Recognizing God for who he is and what he has done creates a right fear of God. Joshua says, so that you may always fear the Lord your God. You know, because of God's power, it's so awesome, it's so incomprehensible. These memorials would serve as a warning to fear God. By fear, by fear, we mean hold God in high esteem, right? To reverence him, to fear him, to, to understand that he's a holy and a righteous God. And so these memorials could help shape their worship. When we see God for who he is, it does show us who we are, right? Like Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six, Psalm eight, chapter eight. David says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your hands, the fing- your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Remembering God, remembering his holiness, remembering his power, his, his great and awesome works shape our worship. And then number four, why these stones to shatter their past. 
It's interesting when you look at this chapter, you'll find it a couple places that when they, when they got to the other side and Joshua erected that, that second memorial, the place became known as Gilgal. Gilgal means just literally to roll away. 40 years of wandering through the desert rolled away. 40 years of spiritual defeat and failure rolled away. 40 years of suffering, 40 years of death. Think of all the funerals they attended out there in the wilderness. All rolled away. This was the dawn of a new beginning in a new land. Now they were a new people with a powerful new sense of purpose and hope. And they're determined to take the hill that God is calling them to. So listen, these memorials were not just set up to remind them, they, they weren't set up to remind them of their failures. They were, remi- they were set up to remind them of who God is and where he was taking them, where he was leading them. Yes, they had a past, but their failures were behind them. And now they had a great purpose that God had for them to do. And they had hope that he could carry them, that he could see them through. I don't know about you, but I, I, I find that we tend to remember our failures and focus on them, don't we? Are you that way? I am. Satan, the great accuser, man, he helps with, with that, doesn't he? Does he remind you about where you failed, how you failed God? He likes to remind us of things in our past that we would soon just, we'd like to forget. Don't focus on your past failures. Look to the God who has given you a new beginning. Paul writes this in Philippians chapter three. He says, forgetting what is behind, reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize of God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. There's a caution here. Here's the caution. You know what happens later in history as you read past Joshua chapter four? We read about this in Hosea and Amos. The memorial that Joshua built in Gilgal, this place that was meant to remind them of God, became something that they began to worship. They began to worship in Gilgal. They were supposed to worship in Jerusalem, but they began to worship in Gilgal as if they were idolizing what happened more than they were worshiping God. They put what had happened ahead of God himself. They were worshiping the past when they should have been worshiping God in the present. Does this make sense? And what can happen to us as as believers is we can, if we're not careful, we can build memorials that we begin to worship in our life. I mean, there are churches, man, they are so consumed with the past that they worship it. You know, the, the form of worship or, or whatever. There's certain things about, we had, pastor, we've always had pews, bless God. And we should always have pews. These were here since, since granny was a child. And, and, and if we're not careful, we can move into a building. We can take a hill and then begin to worship the hill. Like settle down in our seats and, and make a past and make memories that we begin to worship and forget God. And the point just simply is, look, God hasn't, God isn't, doesn't do all these great works so that we idolize a place in which they're done. It is all about him. They're all, everything that God does, it's all meant for us to worship him, to focus on him, to give him thanks, to, to glorify his name. And so let's not worship the past. Let's remember the past. Let's remember what God has done. We can thank him for it. We can praise him for the past. And I think about the, the history of our church. They, you know, we, we've had, we've had our, our times of struggle, but listen, I can look back in my mind and thank God for all of it. Like God has used this in my life. He's used it in the lives of many people. I, I embrace our past, but I'm not going to worship it. N- none of us should. We shouldn't worship whatever it is. Let's focus on what God would have us to do now and know that our hope is in him and that he can see us through. We can look in the rear view. 
Let's not spend our time looking at all our faults and failures. Let's look at, when we look in the rear view, let's remember what God has done. Why? So that we have hope for today and the future. So that we see that God is able to continue to lead us. What have you forgotten? What has God done in your life that it's been a long time since you've really stopped to remember the goodness and the grace of God as you have seen it in your life. Israel forgot God. The prophet Isaiah said it, says it just point blank. For you have forgotten the God of your salvation and you have failed to remember the rock of your strength. And you know what the cost of that was to them? They got exiled out of the land. Think about it. God gave them the hill. And then he booted it, booted them right out of it. Why? Simply because they forgot him. They forgot him. We don't worship buildings. We don't worship chairs. We don't worship even a form of worship. We don't, we, we don't worship. We, we, let's not worship anything other than God. Anything we put before God becomes an idol in our life. And that's what happened to Israel. They took on all these other idols and they forgot God. So here's your homework for this week. Are you ready? You ready? You want some homework for this week? I, I know you're thrilled. Take some time to remember what God has done in your life. Remind yourself. Gather some stones. I don't mean literally. I mean, do it if you want. But gather some stones, some memories that you can piece together in your mind, in your heart, and just be reminded. And then tell somebody, take one of those stones, those memories that you have, and share it with one of your kids. Share it with one of your, your, your grandkids. Share it with somebody at work. Tell somebody, reflect on who God is to someone else this week. Build a memorial, a mental memorial. Write it down, and then thank him and praise him. Will you do that tonight? Will you do that this week? Let's pray.